Psalm 66 says, Make a joyful shout to God all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, How awesome are your works through the greatness of your power. Your enemies shall submit themselves to you. And all the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. And they shall sing praises to your name. As I have um, sought the Lord this past week, I feel like something he's doing. And I believe it, it involves all of us. And I want to share it with you. A lot of us, as we've walked through life, we all have a past. And we want the Lord to cover that past in the blood of Jesus because we all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And a lot of times in life that um, even as Christians saved, we're saved by the grace of God, of Jesus. But sometimes we, we carry that guilt and shame and we, it sort of stifles us. And I believe what the Lord is doing is that he's coming and he's tearing down strongholds in his children's lives. He's taking them down. Way patterns of thought, negative thinking, depression, uh, things that we know God doesn't want us to walk in. And what I felt was, as I began to seek the Lord on it, is that I, I said, Lord, I, I felt like that sometimes uh, some of my past, they're wasted time, so to speak. Not wasted because obviously we're here. And God uses but it hasn't been to the fullest of what I would desire. And I felt like what the Lord has said. He said, I'm taking you from this point on. And he's going to pick up speed in regards to his sanctification in our lives and making us more like Jesus. And he said, you know, Paul said, forgetting what is in the past and continuing that race and continuing going forward. And I believe as God's people that we are not to focus on our past. Jesus has forgiven us. If you've gone to Jesus and asked him to forgive you, he has forgiven you of that because the Bible is very clear in uh, 1 John 1, 9, where he says, if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, accuses us, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, day and night, like, you're, you're not really forgiven, you know. You messed up too bad. You did too much. You know, God, yeah, we know God forgives. And he'll, he'll distort that truth to a point to where you begin to believe a lie. You have been forgiven. And all of that past is under the blood of Jesus. And he said, and even as a matter of fact, I'm going to begin to do great and mighty things in the lives of, of my children. That's what God is saying. And I believe he's saying it to the body of Christ. I believe that what he's saying to y'all here today at Lighthouse Fellowship is that he, he said, yeah, sometimes in our lives we look back and we, we weren't in love with Jesus like we should have been, okay? But he's saying from this point on that things are going to be speeded up and there's going to be kind of a, a making up for lost time, okay? Isn't that good news? He's going to be making up for lost time in our lives. And he's been sharing that with me and beginning to reinforce that. Making up for lost time in our lives. Forget what's in the past. You're here to go from this point on and God is going to begin to work in our lives 
in a way that we've never, I believe, ever imagined to. And that's what God is saying to the church, his people today, the bride of Christ, the bride of Jesus, amen. And he's going to pick up and make up for that lost time. So don't get bogged down by what the devil will tell you. Listen to what God is telling you. And even today, through the word of God, very, very powerful in here, the scriptures. Obviously, all the scripture is, uh, is so powerful. But what was spoken here today is that he, he's given us that new hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we as Christians, sometimes we just get bogged down. And we, we're depressed. And we're all, you know, poor me. And, and all these things God is saying, just shake those things off. Tell the devil to leave you alone. Get out of my life, devil. And then begin to move forward. God is making up for lost time. That's who our God is. He's a God of restoration, isn't he? He's a God of deliverance. He's whatever. He's everything to us. So just trusting to do that will give him praise. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for these that have been mentioned. Thank you for the words that you've given us. Thank you for the, the uh, prophetic word for our sister Betty in Jesus' name. We thank you for these that uh, have come today. Bless them and, and release your spirit in a greater measure, as we mentioned. As what you are speaking to your people this day, you're going to pick up steam. You're going to begin to make up for lost time or what we may feel like lost time. It wasn't lost time in your eyes, Lord. Sometimes we feel that way. And we right now deny we uh, rebuke the enemy. We rebuke what he's trying to do. Get us off course. Get us discouraged. Discouragement's not of the Lord. And we just ask you today to bring encouragement to your people. Bring healing to all of these. Lynette, Cliff, Bree, Ray, Tony. For uh, strength and power to Darcy. And just uh, a wholeness to little Remington. In Jesus' name. To Ken- Kendra as we prayed. Uh, for traveling mercies. For all of these that have been mentioned. For uh, comfort in the losses that we have uh, mentioned here today. Thanksgiving and praise for the things you're doing. Thankful today that you're doing great and mighty things. And we're just glad and elated we can come be a part of it. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We pray, Lord, today uh, that you would uh, bless, Lord, each and every person enters this place. When they leave this place, let it just be the beginning of an outflow of your blessings. But, dear God, most of all, let us bless your holy name. Be with the Rogers family. We had a memorial service here yesterday. Be with them. Comfort them. Give them peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'll mention something. Then if you'll turn to Nehemiah chapter 4 while you're doing it. And I want to share with you something so significant when you share the gospel with others. How powerful it is. When you sing and how powerful that is. And y'all have seen this, I'm sure. Uh, This morning... I was getting Rex, our little grandson, ready to, to come to church, and um, I got him ready, and I was holding him, and I was singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, and he pulled back from me and looked at me right straight in the eye, and uh, I just sang that song to him, and he looked at me throughout the whole song. Cindy said, what do you think that is? Why? Because he doesn't do that. He doesn't pull back and look at you. He's most time bending and so you let him down. And I said, because in both of Cindy and I are both, she says, is that because it's speaking to his spirit man? And I said, yes, it is. 
I believe that. His spirit man was absorbing. Jesus loves me. This I know. He'll be two next week. These things are powerful, and I say that today. Do not at all minimize the power of God. Betty got her cart. She's the candy lady. Here we go. People like candy. And, and yet, God uses that candy cart that other people would be drawn and come. And Betty senses, and God gives her a word of knowledge or a prophetic word for someone, and, and God speaks through his daughter. The same way with us as we've seen words shared even today. God speaking to his people. Amen. And we need to hear God's word and we need to hear his voice. God still speaks. He'll never contradict his, his word, but he will speak to us and he does guide us. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 to begin with. If someone can read maybe half of it and then somebody else pick up the other half, one through five and then uh, six through nine, if you would. And you want to look at this last uh, in this sort of uh, series, I'm talking about Nehemiah and the vision, the burden that we have for people. Mainly a burden is about people. Uh, anybody want to read verses one through five of Nehemiah chapter four? Jews do? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? If even a fox climbed up on it, it would break down the wall of their stone of stones. Hear us, O Lord, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half, half its height. For the people worked with all their hearts. But when Sandala and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of the Sarah, Asodites. Asodite heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up the trouble again. But we were, but we prayed to our God and posted the guard day and night to meet this threat. Amen. Start moving into freedom and the enemy doesn't like it. Start rebuilding the walls in your life. And the enemy doesn't like it. Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Sambalat, many believe, symbolic of Satan. Tobiah, they come against you. You start doing the things God has you to do, and the enemy doesn't like it. So when we look at a church, how is success measured as far as a church is concerned? Does it mean we're fulfilling the Great Commission? Of course, definitely, and all. But I want to mention this because I did last week about a church that's fulfilling the vision, I believe, that we have here at Lighthouse Fellowship. And that is to be a church where people at every stage of life can come and be ministered to so that they can minister to others. To be a church where we minister to those who are younger and older, in school and out of school, and those with kids and without kids, those who work and those who are retired, 
To be a church where being the church is more important than doing the church. To be a church that glorifies God and exalts the name of Christ in everything we do. To be a church that is more interested in where people are heading than in where people have been. To be a church that encourages people to take the next step of faith and maturity from whatever point they're at. To be a church where the healthy help the hurting and the hurting are becoming healthy. To be a church where the words love God, love people, and live it out is more than just a motto. It actually takes place. That's the type of church. What does it look like? When a seasoned citizen walks in, they're greeted and welcomed. When a young person walks in, someone will say hi and introduce themselves. Where there is a need within the body, the church will step up to meet that need. When there is suffering going on, others will look uh, to comfort. When there's a lack of knowledge, there will be a desire to teach. And when there's sin, there will be accountability. So there will be challenges here to grow deeper, love more, and to live more fully. There always are. And there was challenges to Nehemiah as he said, I have this burden to rebuild the wall. We have burdens. The burden normally is for people or for a ministry or a particular thing God is calling us to do here. And so when we do that, it doesn't mean that there'll be smooth sailing. We will have challenges. The enemy will challenge you on it every time, I guarantee but we need to be ready, and Nehemiah was, and he didn't put certain things in places that he would be able to, people would be able to know that God was with them. You know, when we look at Moses as leading the people out of Egypt, it wasn't a cakewalk. Pharaoh wasn't really quite on board with allowing all these slaves leave his country because it meant they needed labor to fulfill what they were called to do. And then we know Joshua it wasn't uh, leading the people into the promised land there, the people in Jericho. They were not in agreement. And so when Nehemiah wanted to build a wall and remove the disgrace from God's people, there were many that were not thrilled about it. The enemy will come against you. There'll be opposition in different ways. And sometimes he uses well-meaning church, even church folk, that will try to hinder what God has put on your heart because they're not in agreement. When God speaks to you and to me, we need to heed the word of the Lord. We need to step out in faith, not be afraid, and not to obviously walk in that fear, but we need to walk by faith. We need to step out. God is speaking today, and we need to, when we hear the word of God, don't go back and sort of say, God, let's discuss this word. Do what God tells you to do, right? Nehemiah did that, and he was a thousand miles away from Jerusalem, and yet he didn't say, God, it's a little bit too far on camelback, all right? Oh, God, it's a little bit too far for my Honda to take me, okay? You can use any excuse and any example you want, but God is saying today, if I put something on your heart, then I'm going to give you the power to be able to do it. And God has called his people for such a time as this to rise up and rebuild what the enemy has torn down. And that's what Nehemiah was doing. And that's what's happening here. And I'm not going to use examples, but Jackie, Jacqueline, is, is that he's hitting people. But God is cleaning up our messes because that's who God is. Our past and all, and he's restoring people to where when we come through it, we're actually stronger as a result. Nehemiah, he received the vision from the Lord and he realized that vision. And I want to tell you, that's what we are to do because Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. Matthew chapter 16. And we need to be a part of what Jesus is building here at Lighthouse Fellowship. Not necessarily building up the church, but building up the body of Christ here. 
We need to obviously step out in faith. And whatever God calls us to do, it will always require faith on our part every time. He will always challenge you. And then the other side of that, again, is the opposition that the enemy says, oh, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. And so the first thing that we see here is Nehemiah faced those who wanted to destroy. Sanballat and Tobiah said no. He said, even if we put a little tiny fox up on that wall, that the wall is going to crumble. That's exactly what Satan tells you and me. He says, oh, you can't do anything. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. That's never been done before. It's going to cost too much. It's going to take too much time. You don't have the resources to do that. Besides that, look where I am in life. Look how old I am. I can't do that. Baloney. God is saying that if he calls you to do something, it doesn't make any difference about any of those things I just named. And Nehemiah was the same way. Because Nehemiah faced these obstacles in prayer. And you and I are to pray also to the God of heaven. We are to fulfill the vision he has given us to to see people loved and ministered to. A vision to see more people come into a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Time is short. Jesus could come back at any time. And we need to obviously work as the day is drawing to a close in that sense, okay? We don't know. God is saying he's looking for people who will face the opposition and say, I will not back down. And Satan, get out of my way. Get away from me in the name of Jesus and walk forward and be restored and do what God has called us to do. You know, I'm going to face somehow the pride of those who want things done in their own way. And we need to obviously step out and say, you know what, I'm sorry you don't agree with me on this. I love you in Jesus' name. But I'm going to follow what God tells me to do no matter what. And that's what I'm going to do. And I know you are also. There will be those who don't want anything to change. Let me tell you, God is in a mode of changing. He doesn't change. But he changes us. And he changes things. And you know, the the last words of the church were, the last words were, we've never done it that way before. I've always talked about that. And y'all agree with me. But when we try to put and implement some changes in, let me tell you today, it seems like that we never heard that said before. And God is saying, we've got to change. In this church, we have got to reach out for young people to come in this church. I'm not trying to be a Clear Creek community or anybody else. I'm trying to find the identity here at Lighthouse Fellowship. But we may do some things that we have not done before, not anything that is anti-biblical and against God, but we may do some things, not just to draw a crowd, but to reach out to those that are hurting. We've got to get out of our pews and we've got to reach out and become ministers unto the Lord, but also to other people wherever God places us. And much of what happens are outside these four walls. It's when the marketplace and you reaching out and touching people and saying, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Could you would you come to our church? Invite them to church wherever you are. Come to our church. You would be a real asset to our church. Come to our church and reach out and do those things. Many times we say, well, what does that mean? What are the ramifications of that and so forth? And God is asking you maybe to do something in a particular way, and you go, my goodness, financially we'll never be able to afford that here. 
in this church and Lighthouse Fellowship, I right now don't receive that at all. God gives us the resources. If he calls the Lighthouse Fellowship to do it, then he'll supply the finances and also the resources to be able to do it. We've got to do it. We've got to step out in faith. Pray that way. Pray with faith, believing. Nehemiah did. And it looked like, don't you know, it's got to be overwhelming to say, my goodness, we've got to build a wall around Jerusalem? He was there, but yet he prayed. And they say here that he started building. And man, the wall was being built. And all these things that looked impossible was not because God, we know with God that all things are possible. And we know that when you step out in faith, it moves the heart of God, which releases the power of God. And God begins to do mighty and great miracles because that's who he is. But we look at our own strength sometimes. We look at our own resources. We look at the bottom line on our budget or whatever it may be. And God is saying today, yes, we are to be prudent with those things that we're responsible for. We're to be good servants. But God is saying today, we need to do that. I've talked about many times how we give to the Lord. And you know, I said, I want to tell you, I can look at your pocketbook and see your relationship with Christ. You can look at, at your pocketbook, your bank account, and see what you give for the kingdom of God and determine where your love relationship is. You know what? We've got too much stuff. We've got too many things around, and we neglect the kingdom of God. We need to pray about it because there are many out there who want to destroy the vision that God has given us. He went and put it into practice there because I want to tell you when he talks about there in verses 6 through 7, he rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their hearts. They began to work like that and all. And man, the enemy got real angry. Sanballat and Tobiah, they got mad. And when people began to be set free by the blood of the Lamb and bondages are taken down in their lives and strongholds in their lives, Satan doesn't like it. What's going on in your life where you feel like, I just want to be free? Is something happening in your life today that you just want to be free? I said, you know, there's something hanging on. It's just not right. I can't put my finger on it. But I want to tell you today, bring it to Jesus. He'll set you free. He'll set you free. But don't think that it's going to be an easy task. Satan does not want you to be set free. He does not want you to walk in freedom. He'll do all in his power to try to keep you and me from becoming all that God wants us to do. You know what? If we knew who we were and our identity was in Christ and we understood that down the depths of our heart today, you wouldn't see the old poor me types of attitude. You would see people that were walking in victory each and every moment of every day. Knowing who we are in Christ. He pursued the vision. He kept going. He didn't care. He was overwhelmed by the opposition. But sometimes we stop what we're doing because we are overwhelmed by it, you know? You need to obviously get up, pray, and seek the Lord. Nehemiah 4.9 says, He posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. He prayed, he acted. Many times we think, well, I'm without a job. Then you need to pray and act. You need to do what God's given you to do. It may not be, obviously, in the top level as far as pay is concerned. You need to get out, get the job, and do what calls you, God calls you to do, and then pray about it. God will open the doors. God will provide. You need to face it, those who want to destroy you. You need to work. You need to pray and, and, and act. Whatever the situation is in your life, you need to pray and act. 
You need to take authority over those forces that are trying to take you and me down in life. And that's exactly what he's doing. I don't know what's happened spiritually, but I know there is, like I said, and I'll continue to repeat this as a reminder, there is fierce, spirit, fierce spiritual warfare out there today. Many people are being taken down and many people are being discouraged because the people here were discouraged. They were obviously, it's, it's, it's difficult when you're discouraged. And then God is not the author of discouragement. God is the author of encouragement. If you're discouraged today, more than likely there's an attack against your life by the enemy. Okay? I'll tell you how to deal with it. Pray. Now, right now, take authority over it. Say, I'll have none of this discouragement. If you're depressed today, take authority over it. And say, I'm not going to be depressed. Begin to speak the words. Think on those things that are good and pure and holy and, and righteous and so forth. Don't think on those things that you've done in your past or the things that look bad. Think about the positive things that God is doing in your life. You're sitting here today. Yeah, we have aches and pains and we have all these types of things. I don't minimize that at all. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying today, take authority over these things and walk in victory. God did not give us a spirit of defeat. God gave us a spirit of victory because he's victorious. The victory has already been won. We just need to walk in it. We need to appropriate it. We need to walk in encouragement. You know, sometimes it's so often we're discouraged that things don't seem to be moving fast enough. We're discouraged that someone's left the church. It's discouraged that we won't be able to be the church that God wants us to be. We are discouraged and we'll make up anything and say, boy, I'm discouraged about that. Get out of that mode and get encouraged. Read somebody read who rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice and present your prayers. And he said, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Psalm 66. Thank him when you're alone or if you're in your car or if you're in church. Shout to the Lord wherever you are. Thank him for what he's done. He's done great and mighty things. I'll tell you what, right now, discouragement will flee. You begin to praise God. You begin to focus on God. Nehemiah did not focus on Samballot or Tobiah. Nehemiah focused on God. Why? Because he kept praying. He kept talking to the Lord about it. I'm bringing it to you, Lord. No one's going to stop me from doing what God has called me to do. The only one that can stop me, I'll be honest with you, is myself. The Bible says here in Revelation... He says, hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and move out. Nehemiah knew that he had his focus upon the Lord. You know, we're having times when it just seems too hard for us. You know, well, a lot of people today say, you know, I don't have a good neighborhood church and I live too far from the church. I, there's not really anybody around here and I don't like the preacher and I don't like the music and I don't like this and that. I've seen a lot of people like, I don't like that. I just mumble and grumble and everything else and they're grumblers throughout life. I don't want to go out like that, do you? No. I want to go out praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. It's too far. you got to drive too far. Y'all drive as far as I do, okay? <laughs> I don't complain about it. People say that to me. They go, Jim, was it raining? Yeah, it was raining. Well, must have been hard. No, it ain't hard. Ain't hard. 
because I know what God's called me to do. He's given me a burden. He's given me a vision. And I don't care. You know, 518 out here, 45 shut down right out here. I saw it on the news. Thank God God showed it to me. So I had the service like yesterday afternoon, and I left the Bel Air area about 2.30. I said, that'd give me enough time. Well, yeah, it did, but wrong. <laughs> I said, I'm going to hit 45, and I'm going to go as far as I can go. And when I see the, the traffic the way it is, I'm going to get off, and then I'll be smooth sailing, getting over on Highway 3. Wrong, wrong. Because everybody else had that same idea. <laughs> And I pulled all 528 to get over, and I went, oh, my goodness. And it was horrible just getting to the light at 45, got over, made a right on Highway 3, started coming down just a little ways, and it was backed up from 518 out here all the way to Clear Lake. I went, wrong. I U-turned it around. I said, where there's a will, there's got to be a way. And I said, I'm going up on 270. I scooted on out that way. Well, that was busy too, but at least we were moving. And then I got on over and on 270, of course, made a right on 518. What I say all this to mean today, what's going to keep you from what God has called you to do? Is a little traffic going to keep you from doing that? Is a little concern about whether or not financially it's going to keep you from doing what God has called you to do? Nehemiah, Obviously, they didn't have Hondas back then. <laughs> I think about the old uh, itinerant uh, evangelists, John Wesley, and many of those that preached on the countryside. And I forget which man it was that was evangelist. John Wesley had real big numbers as far as the, the number of miles he went on horseback from church to church in the wild, wild west and preach the gospel. Oh, we said, that church is too far. I can't go to church. Too long. The, the pastor's too long-winded. Look at, look at how we excuse what God wants to do. He faced those who disagree with him. And he said, I'm going to do what God called me to do. He faced them with truth, the word of God. I'll use Betty. Betty's using, and all of you, all of you, I'm just saying, but Betty just said, spoke. Um, the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People need freedom. And she's sharing that. Got her candy cart. I've never heard of a way to evangelize with a candy cart. Have y'all? Never heard that. I know I'm harping on that, but never heard anything to, to beat it. I could say from that example is God will use anything he wants to use, right? Betty. Uh, we also make crafts with patients. And I love, I love to do that. And I also love to deliver them to the There are some people that know that they're alone and that just makes them so happy. It's like little child with a toy that just back no, doesn't it just bless your life? Doesn't it bless you to see people and, and seeing burdens lifted? You know, the old quartet song, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary? Yeah, because of that, seeing people. Just do what God tells you to do. The vision, the burden, if you have a burden today, do what God tells you to do. Nehemiah put it in place. We know that when, when he does that, 
He'll supply everything you need, whatever it is. God is calling us today to fulfill the vision. Don't wait. Don't wait. Start today. Remember, he's picking up steam. He's making up for lost time, I believe. And he's just calling us to do what he's called us to do. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, don't we have the right for food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a, a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and, and uh, Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? But we do not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Paul said, nothing is going to stop me. I will sacrifice to share the gospel. Will you and I sacrifice to share the gospel? I mentioned tithe. The tithe is of the Lord. And some people say, well, you don't know my finances. But when you tithe, it, something happens because God said, this is the only place in the Bible that God says to test me, to try me. Tithe off of your income. Tithe that 10% and give to the Lord and watch what God can do. Not that we obviously do it just so he bless us, but that's what he does. And many people today are in financial bondage because they're not tithing to the church. I'm not talking about it for the sake of the church. God said, I, Jesus said, I'll build the church and not for salaries or anything else like that at all. I'm just saying it is a principle from the book of Malachi and also in the New Testament that the tithe is biblical. Tithe. He said, try me and watch what happens. God says tithe. Many people don't do that today for different reasons and I understand obviously, but tithe, begin to sacrifice. When you sacrifice for the Lord, let me tell you, because you cannot outgive Jesus, okay? He owns it all anyway. And I struggle, then that's when I really, I'll be honest with you, and I'm just speaking to myself, is when I ought to give more. When I give of maybe my, the monies and whatever, maybe someone comes to me and he tells me to do something, to give, to give. It doesn't make any difference, to give. And not to hoard it, trying to say, I've got to store it up. You know, it could be gone in a heartbeat. But what you give for the kingdom of God will last throughout eternity. And when you give like that, God is saying, I will bless you. I will pour the abundance of, of the storehouses out on you if you'll do it. That's all he says. That's just one little principle, I believe, that God will fulfill if we'll be obedient. Just be obedient. God says, just be obedient. He knows. He's already speaking to you. He speaks to me, and he'll speak to you. Whatever he wants you to do. I'll close with this. Good stuff. Acts chapter 27. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 27. You remember when Paul, they were carrying Paul to Rome. This is, I think, his last trip. And... Uh, He was going to face the leaders there in Rome, the shipwreck. And remember what he says here, and you can look at it when you go home, but I want to name some principles here that I think are so important in a Christian's life because we don't want our faith shipwrecked, do we? We want to fulfill the vision that God has given us. We want to do what God's doing. I guarantee you everybody in this place says, I want to do what God wants me to do in this place.
Acts 27, it talks about him. Get on the ship. God had already spoken to Paul and said, don't go this way. Because if you do, then you're going to get shipwrecked. And Paul heard the Lord speaking to him. And he's basically the centurion said, no, we're going to go this way anyway. And remember they shipwrecked? Paul said, the good news is none of you are going to die. You all are going to be saved. Well, those rickety old ships back then, I'm sure were rickety. And the storm came up. You know, I'm glad I didn't live back in that time because I, I, I don't, I can get on one of these on Carnival out of Galveston and I'm looking to steal over as I go on, make sure nothing going on with that steel and all that stuff. I don't know what they did back then when it was wooden. They had tie ropes around this ship, kind of hold it together. That wasn't a good thing, was it? <laughs> they shipwrecked. The parallel symbolic nature of what this story is saying is, is basically don't let your faith get shipwrecked by not being obedient. But also a couple other things. One of them is they'll, you'll find in this scripture is dissatisfaction with the circumstances. How many of you have been just dissatisfied with the circumstances? The Bible does say rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And he says give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And when you're dissatisfied with your circumstances, do you want to know how many people I have talked to that said, I don't like this job I'm doing. Plus, I don't like my boss. And I'm moving. I'm going to quit this job, and I'm going to get another job. And I'm going, is God leading you out of that job? Has he released you from that job? I don't know, but I'm tired of it, and I'm getting out of it. How many of you people you probably know have done that? And what happens when that happens is you jump from the frying pan into the fire. Because God has you in that job, what? Teach you something, right? Now, wait a minute, Jim. Come on. God, I thought you just said God wants to bless us. Yeah, he does. But he doesn't bless always the way we think that maybe he should or he ought to. But when you're dissatisfied with the circumstances, just like they were here, then you get in a whole heap of trouble. You know, I'm just dissatisfied with these family relationships. I'll never and ever, I'll never try to seek reconciliation with these family members. They hurt me, and I am rightfully to, to hold this grudge and, and to carry this thing to the grave. And I don't like these family relationships. Anyway, they're not acting right. They don't treat me right. They don't speak of me right. They talk about me. And all this dissatisfaction there. If you do that and you're dissatisfied with your circumstances and I'm dissatisfied with my circumstances, let me give you a, a, really a, a, a heads up. You and I will live in perpetual defeat. Until you can praise God in whatever the circumstances are, until you can thank God and say thank you, Jesus, and all of them, because you say, but I'm not really sincere about it. No, you give the sacrifice of praise. But every time when you're dissatisfied with everything and you're a mumbler and a grumbler and you don't like nothing like that, you and I will live in perpetual defeat. We need to learn to praise God and lift our voices to heaven and praise his holy name, okay? This is what was happening here. The second thing is, is impatience. Some people say, I thought that a fruit of the Spirit was impatience. No, it's patience, right? Love, joy, 
peace, kindness, patience, patience. I'm impatient. Things are moving too slow here. You know, nowhere in the scripture does it say to hurry up. Anybody show me? Uh Uh-uh, nowhere. What does it say? Wait on the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord, Isaiah chapter 40, shall renew their strength. Nowhere does it say to wait on the Lord. You've been praying, you've been praying, you've been praying. Hurry up, God. Make me more like Jesus. Snap your fingers, God, and let me be more like Jesus because I'm not as loving as I should be. And I'm certainly, my heart is just as cold. Uh Uh-uh. Be patient. Impatient is not a fruit of the Spirit. Impatience will get you into trouble every time. Now, the other thing is here, the centurion failed to heed the word of the Lord. It's obviously, I want to say something today. It is not biblical to get a second opinion about what God has spoken to you about. Let me say it again. It is not biblical to get a second opinion about what you feel God is leading you to do and you've heard the Lord. Now, I'm not saying not to go before the Lord and seek Him on it. But when you ask other people, say, for example, 10 different people, you may get 10 different responses. God wants you and I to hear His voice. John chapter 10, it says that my sheep, Jesus is speaking, hear my voice and they follow me. God wants us to hear his voice and then to move out in what he tells us to do. Because well-meaning people may not be hearing you and well-meaning people can misinterpret and sort of formulate their own desire because they're going, ah, God didn't really tell this person this. No, I don't affirm that. I don't affirm that in your life. And here before long, you've already moved off track from what God, you know God has spoken to you. It's not biblical to get that second opinion. God speaks and wants and he expects us to obey. Remember what happened to Moses? Moses struck the rock. Remember? He struck the rock and all. He didn't enter into the promised land. He didn't enter. He, he was taken up and he's in heaven because he was a believer. But he struck the rock. God told him, don't, don't do that. Remember, Moses should have known better than to be able to do that. Moses should have known better. He had heard the voice. He had been in the presence of glory. Okay. You and I need to heed. Will you always get it right? No. If he says walk out in front of a Mack truck, then obviously you need to question that. But I'm talking about the things of God. Okay. Move out. If you don't understand the vision or the word, seek the Lord. Try to obey. God knows that. And he gives you grace through that. And then also, don't depend on circumstances for guidance. A lot of people say, well, it's tough. And so therefore, it must not be of the Lord. Because the open door wasn't what I thought it would be. It should have been smooth sailing. No, no, no. Uh -uh. Many times, God will lead us into opposition to train us, to equip us, to make us more like Jesus. Did Jesus face opposition? Oh, yeah. They crucified him. And you and I will face opposition. And God leads us in. Why is that? 
Don't you want smooth sailing? You know, I love the mountaintops, but much of what happens in Jim Barco's life is in the valley, in times where it's tough, times when people oppose me, times when it just seems like things are not working. Don't bolt when that happens. God may have you exactly where he wants you to be because we've misinterpreted. Much of the church says, oh, God, he's going to lead you, and he'll lead you. He does lead us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, right? Psalm 23. But remember, in that opposition, what's he doing? He's training us. Why did he allow Satan to stay here on this earth with his hordes of demons to oppose you and me? He could have snuffed them out just like that. He's God, right? It's because he trains us through spiritual warfare. He trains us. Let me tell you. I told you. The foundation of our society is the word of God, but it's marriages. It's the family. God, the enemy is attacking marriages like I've never seen before in my history as a minister. And why is that? Because when the family crumbles, society continues to deteriorate. And you and I need to learn how to oppose the enemy, but realize that when we confess our sins and we repent of it, and there seems to still be a headwind, we are to submit ourselves to the, to the Lord and resist the devil, and the Bible says he'll flee. But that resisting may be over a long period of time to where we take authority. What is he doing in all of this? He's making you and me stronger. He's making us stronger. Until we learn that it's not an easy street being a Christian. A lot of fun to it. I love it. But realizing that God allows opposition to grow us up. He allows that to teach us to pray. Because I'll be honest with you, when things are going tough for Jim, I pray a lot more than I do when I'm on easy street. And it will be sometimes on and on and on. You remember when Cindy was sick there in the hospital and uh, we were praying, we are doing spiritual warfare because we believe it was definitely a, it was a spiritual thing, demonic attack. And I was praying and it seemed like we got a, relief and Cindy was still sort of unresponsive and out of it and I remember she looked at me and she goes well, what's what's going on it seems like things have eased up a little bit here and I went yeah something's kind of eased up the very next day the enemy hit us broadsided as long as you and I are here on this earth there will be perpetual warfare every day to try to keep us from sharing our faith to stop us from trying to fulfill a vision that God has called us, that burden for people or whatever ministry it is, or whatever God's called you to do in that arena. As long as we're here, get it down now and get it straight. There will be warfare until till the day we leave this world. But God allows it so that he'll grow us up. Remember in Hebrews 12 what it says? He says he disciplines those that are his children. He didn't say uh, he pats us on the back. He says he disciplines us. But he always disciplines out of love. And that love, obviously, is just like when you discipline a child. 
It's just like when you discipline, we discipline Rex and all. It's out of love to say there are boundaries here because we know what's best for you. And God is saying the same thing to us today. He's training us. He's setting those boundaries saying, don't keep walking out there. You're under my hedge of protection. But I want to tell you, if you come out, the enemy's going to hit you. And many times we step out, don't we? The seven revelations in Re- the seven churches in Revelation, it says that those who overcome, he'll give what the crown of life, the different crowns. What are they overcoming? <laughs> They're overcoming adversity. There will be adversity, right? Just heed the word of God. All of what I say is done out of love for all of you. But as the pastor, as your pastor. Is I'll share with you these things to be ready. There's a war. Comes through health challenges. Comes through uh, demonic oppression. Comes through strife. Comes through um, all these things. Financial, actually, financial uh, difficulties at times. It comes through anything you would say, and you go, "Where'd that come from?" Just be obedient to the Lord. Whatever He's called you to do, He loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love. He's not up there with a stick looking and saying, who can I hit next? No, he's not. But he loves us too much to allow us to stay the way we are. He changes us and makes us more like Jesus. And that's what it's all about today. May God truly bless you. And the way he does that and understanding his tremendous love for his bride as he prepares us to meet the bridegroom, the groom. He's preparing us. He's getting us ready. These things that were mentioned in prayer today, I know, I'm speaking from my own life, okay? I know personally through my experience here in the last couple of months that God is saying, Jim, this has got to go. This has got to be changed. You've got to, you've got to allow me. And man, it's painful. But I don't want God to stop what he's doing. In whatever way he chooses in your life and my life, that's his business. But I want to stay the same. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to make up a lost time from my past before I begin to walk with the Lord. And now even as we walk along, I want to walk in obedience to the Lord because I know he knows what's best. May God bless each and every one of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you today that, you know, many I know here have received the word of the Lord. And there's a vision. There's a burden. There's a, there's a, a real purpose being served out upon the people here in this place. We ask and bl- I bless that in Jesus' name. And ask you to give them the power and the faith. Increase our faith that we would be able to just walk in those highest purposes you've called us to. So, Father, we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.